When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Ayo, welcome into the CHGO White Sox podcast presented by PointsBet. Use promo code CHGO when you sign up to get two risk-free bets up to $2,000. Welcome into Studio A of our CHGO offices here in the West Loop of Chicago. I'm Sean Anderson, the host of the CHGO White Sox podcast. You can follow me on Twitter at Sean underscore W underscore Anderson. Alongside me, as always, is the full CHGO White Sox crew. Got Vinny Duber on the far left. You can follow him on Twitter at Vinny Duber. He's the CHGO White Sox beat writer. And the man in the middle is Herb Lawrence. Hello. You can follow him on Twitter at Ecknerwall23. He's the CHGO White Sox community leader. Did you guys know that there's an island within the city? Norwich, the city of uh, Norwich in Illinois, is completely within the boundaries of Chicago. And we just learned that right in front of the podcast. And I thought that was the most pressing news today to bring to our listeners. Shout out to everybody watching from the Vatican of Chicago, Norwich. (laughs) It's uh, completely surrounded. That's fun. Fun with geography. Yeah, I can't even figure out who is the most famous person from Norwich. Um, it might be Dino Stenmopoulos. Oh, yeah, I know. Um, for doesn't? a comedy writer from uh, Mr. Show, TV Funhouse, and Mad TV. So, uh, shout out to Dino. I just want to give a shout out to Dino. Uh, Anyways, today it's a very important episode because it's the MLB trade deadline on August 2nd. On Tuesday, uh, I think it's 5 p.m. Central time, the MLB uh, trade deadline will pass. There's no more waiver deadline uh, uh, at all all anymore. Uh, They've gotten rid of that outside of, I believe, for minor league players. So this is the final day to add to your team on the second, we're here to preview it, and uh, obviously throughout the week and weekend, if there is any trades, if Andrew Benatendi-like deal is done by the uh, Yankees at the strike of 11 p.m. like last night, uh, we will be covering it. Uh, either Herb and I, Herb, Vinny and I, whatever combination, will jump on CHGO uh, Twitter Spaces, White Sox Twitter Spaces, or jump on the actual CHGO Sports YouTube channel and react to that news. So this is just a little bit of a preview, uh, and we will give you the uh, meat and potatoes when they happen. But you guys excited for the 2022 day deadline? I think it's an important one for the Sox. Uh, I don't know how you guys are feeling. I don't know if the White Sox have enough to get the pieces that they need. I can see them getting minor pieces, like pieces that would help them in the long run, but nothing that's earth-shatteringly great for this current roster. You know, they just want this team to play as they can, and they'll be fine, I believe. And you don't need too much of that. But this season has told us these guys might not play at that level that they need to play at. So it's kind of not depressing, just realizing that the White Sox are probably not going to win the World Series is kind of uh, sad. But they're going to get to the playoffs and this trade deadline is not going to help them that much. From In my thoughts, last year I thought the same. Rick Hahn went out and did some great moves, which didn't help them necessarily. But I thought the moves at the time were great. Yeah, I think you're right on the money there. It was funny. We I was reading uh, James Feagan today in The Athletic, uh, you know, wrote a little bit of, uh, you know, kind of a proposed trade deadline haul for the White Sox, if you will. 
mentioned Jose Quintana, who we've been talking about the last few days, Matt Moore, a reliever yeah. from uh, from Texas, and uh, Tyler Naquin, uh, mm. an old uh, <laughs> Clevelander uh, is, who's playing for somebody else now and uh, is both the one-time Cleveland Indian who caused the White Sox so many he- headaches. And there was a commenter who said, this is the kind of haul that you see from a team already in first place, a team that's looking to just add a little bit around the edges to, to get them you know, to ready depth-wise to where they need to go. Not the kind of moves you see from a team that is 500 and still needs to take off and still needs to make up so much ground, not necessarily in the division, but when it comes to the other contenders in the American League. Well, uh, you know what? The White Sox are uh, kind of maybe not going to be able to make those big, big moves, which is what Herb was talking about. And I think when you look at the farm system and, and you know, the, what's the biggest name on the market right now? Juan Soto from the Nationals. There's going to there's gonna be a huge prospect haul going back to Washington if Juan Soto is traded here within the next couple of days. The White Sox can't make that huge prospect haul to go and land one of these gigantic names. Not only that, Herb, like you said, the onus on – making this team look like we thought it was going to look at the beginning of the season is on the guys who are already there. Yep. I mean, fans get really upset when they hear, you know, uh, the the uh, the big deadline acquisition is already on the team kind of thing, and I, I get that. But I think th- that is true in a way that if the White Sox are going to be good, their big deadline acquisition is going to be Aloy Jimenez playing like Aloy Jimenez, Luis Robert playing like Luis Robert. Obviously, Yoan Moncada and Yasmani Grandal are coming on of late. They're going to need to keep doing that, and that's going to be the big difference. The biggest difference between now and the end of the year if the White Sox are, put themselves in a position to compete for a championship is not going to be the moves that happen over the next couple of days. For the most part, they could make some really good moves over the next couple of days, but the bulk of that improvement from 500 right now to the realm of a championship contender that's going to happen only because of the guys who are there right now and with them being at 500 49 49 right now they will start a three-game series against Oakland this weekend there's a lot of different views on this team because hey the guy talking right now thinks that they'll be in first place still or at least made a bet with Herb that they'd be in first place by August uh, 12th so and 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 that's two weeks from tomorrow two weeks from tomorrow like I I think that this team can be like that first place team that just makes minor tweaks and can win the division and then we'll see what happens in the playoffs but you also got uh, Derek Lee saying you know prepared to be underwhelmed Derek Lee Uh, the spelled a little (laughs) bit differently not like a Carlos Santana situation Sure. You know, that's a completely different uh, situation here. Um, But as he says, you know, prepare to be underwhelmed. Quintana and Gamble come on down. Like, people might be upset if it's not a Juan Soto, if it's not a Luis Castillo. I just think that's not feasible. I I don't think the White Sox, with the prospect list that they have, can go out and make a good splash with the prospects that they have. Juan Soto is not capable for the White Sox because if you're making a Juan Soto deal, that probably means Andrew Vaughn or Luis Robert and Dylan Cease or Michael Kopech are probably in that deal because oh. you only have <laughs> you only have Colson Montgomery to deal from and your your minor league team or your major league team's going to get worse and that's what you're trying to improve right now. This is a time of year when you can only acquire these guys in one way. You know what I mean? Yep. If you want that big name guy, if you want that uh roster overhaul in a way I'm sure there's a lot of frustrated White Sox fans out there who would like to see you know half the team be uh, brand new faces uh, the way that things have gone to this point um, 
the off season is when you do that because in the off season you can do a lot of different things. You can trade. Uh, you can you can use money to spend, and you don't have to worry about the prospect list, right? Right now you're stuck at the at the point of where you need to make a deal. Any deal uh, that the White Sox could pull off is going to dramatically impact their major league roster. They're not there. That's not there. They are not at the point of their cycle or whatever the heck you want to call it right now where to be worsening their major league roster to get one guy or two guys, uh, and they just don't seem to have the prospect packages possible to pull off these guys. Now, who knows? Maybe Rick Hahn goes out and makes a surprise move uh, that is, you know, maybe all it takes is Gavin Sheets and Jake Berger to, to haul in not the biggest name in the world, but but a name that people would be like, oh, that's that's a surprise and a name that Are people would button? be happy about. So, uh, But, again, you're, you're, the White Sox are in a very specific spot where they can only make a move in a, a very certain way, they are not the best team equipped to make the move in that fashion. Yeah, and some dominoes have fallen, like KPW points out in the chat. Ben Attendee would have been a good pickup for the Sox. Um, it would have been a, a decently, you know, uh, okay price. Um, you would have possibly, you know, if we're just comparing, uh, Yankees gave up a guy in the fourth round from 2020. Sean Burke, who was selected in the third round for the Sox in 2020, uh, he's their 12th-ranked prospect right now. So that would have been probably a comparable, you know, starting price or, or main piece uh, going back to the Royals there. So, you know, I think the White Sox could have gotten a Ben Attendee deal done. Obviously, he's off the market, but the Yankees are in a position where they can, especially with the way that their run differential is, adding to that team seems pretty easy just because, A, you know, you're clearly in World Series contention here. Um, and also, they, they have this large payroll that they need to pay off. And this might be the last year that Aaron judges. They can kind of go all in. This window, although it hasn't been the nicest window for the White Sox, is still open uh, probably until 2024 uh, with the way that they've lined up contracts. So I, I understand why there's varying different degrees here where maybe it's just minor ads here. And I see some people saying this team needs a complete overhaul. Like in our Discord, you got uh, Tony's BAC saying this team might need to strip it down completely. I don't think that's happening because Jose Abreu is on that team, uh, right? So, like, the, the Yankees have Aaron Judge. Well, also, they're three games them. out of first place. Right, <laughs> as well. Um, but, I mean, I understand the frustration because this team, like we've said, should have been a 90-win team, should have been clearly the front runners in this division, and they have not even caught up to the Twins yet, not even to pull away. They haven't even caught up to them Absolutely. yet. Absolutely. Extremely so, disappointing, but they have a good week and they could be in first place. Right. Uh, I mean, that's why I said August 12th. Right. And, and I, I don't, I don't think that, I don't think that anybody's going to be happy with them barely winning the division and then maybe losing in the first round of the playoffs. Mm -hmm. No, you shouldn't be happy with that. That's fine. This team should be among the world series contenders with the talented roster that they have. Uh, they have disappointed, no doubt about it, but all that talent is going to be there moving forward yep. too. And, and that includes the last two months of this season. So, uh, you know, it, it's not something where uh, anybody should be satisfied, but it's not something where the only answer is to rebuild again. That that is uh, that is that is years down the line. And I think White Sox fans would not like that. Would not like another lengthy rebuild to get this team back to a championship contention just to be like this right. again. So, and before people in here in the chat or on the podcast listen to this, I always say trade should hurt if you want somebody that's actually good and actually going to make a difference for the White Sox. So don't give me your I want this player for Jake Berger. Gavin uh, yeah, other teams would like, yeah, you would like that, but I'm hanging up immediately. So if you want a big-time player or a player that is rumored out there, 
you might have to stop prospect hugging. Stop, you know, Colson Montgomery, you have to go on one of these trades. You might have to leave uh, Vera if you want a big-time player or the player down there who's dominating in double-A, Oscar Colas. He might have to go if you want one of those big-time players. So if you see Rick Hahn hold his water, you can know that there wasn't a deal that he enjoyed enough to pull the trigger on, and he's probably holding on to those prospects because he knows those guys are part of the team in the future, and Colas might be part of the team next year. Yeah, I mean, I'm fine if they don't sell the entire farm. I think there's one guy that I would like to hug, and that's Montgomery, but outside of that, this is the 28th-ranked uh, prospect pool right now, so if they go down to 30th, you know, that it's was a spot 10. that they were in, in, in the beginning of the offseason, yeah. and really the only thing keeping them above water um, even at that 28th spot is because they have a prospect like Montgomery who's in uh, you know nearly the top 50 of Baseball America and, and prospects, and he's only, I think, 20 years old. So, I mean, he is a very intriguing prospect. Um, but outside of that, I mean, even Colas is 24 years old, and he's in, he's in double-A. I mean, it's not shocking that a guy that advanced who's been playing baseball for this long is going down to double-A and having success. Um, I don't know if he's going to have major league success, and that's why I'm fine if they don't hug that guy. Um, but even to your point, too, and why the White Sox should be buying, I think, the reason why we're having a trade deadline special to talk about the White Sox trading people for an hour is because we all think that they should be buyers. Um, and I think a great point that was made by Jim Margulis on the Sox Machine podcast today was um, not only is this a rare place for the White Sox, you know, they just made it to the second straight postseason for the first time in franchise history. Third time would be also historic, um, right? And they've never done it three times in a row. And this is a team that just hasn't made it to the postseason a ton. Like this is a, a team that is fairly sparse um, with postseason success and appearances. And not only if you make it to the playoffs, you're getting that postseason gate, which would help you add to this team as well and, and possibly add revenue to this team so you could put it back into the team. Um, but also Minnesota doesn't get that revenue. Cleveland, who's already not spending on their team, doesn't get any of that revenue. Um, and winning the division gets you a postseason gate, as we know, this year. So I, I think that's a, a really great way to frame it. And I think Steve Stone mentioned on Mullion Hall today on 670 The Score, this is a GM's race. If Minnesota has a good deadline where they're able to help their starting rotation and their help their bullpen, Desperately that lineup that. looks pretty good, and they're already got a little bit of a cushion. Um, Cleveland, if they're able to add maybe another power bat um, and add behind you know Jose Ramirez and him getting on base and Stephen Kwan getting on base, maybe that lineup becomes more consistent and that pitching holds off. And obviously, if the White Sox are able to add enough depth to their team, maybe the top performers like Luis Robert, Aloy Jimenez, um, some of the other guys that have been underperforming, Yasmani Grandal, um, Yoan Moncada, maybe they're able to step up and carry the White Sox the rest of the way. And I know we have a tweet that uh, talks to this, but do you think that Rick Hahn like, looks at Cleveland and Minnesota and say, all right, I'm going to wait until they make a move, or, hey, I've just got to improve my team and worry about the White Sox in general, not about Cleveland and Minnesota and what they do, because all we can control is what we do here in this building. Do you think like a move in Cleveland – makes Rick to say, okay, I'll pull the trigger on this deal or that deal. No, I think he's he's out there to make the White Sox as good as he thinks he can make them or that he has the opportunity to make them. Um, I, I asked I – asked, so he, he said last week when he brought up – when he was talking about the trade deadline, he brought up second base and left field as uh, positions that, that could be improved, that could be better because they've not performed the way that they had hoped that they could perform. I asked him – isn't the same thing true about third base? Isn't the same thing true about catcher? catcher yeah. And he looked and he said, you know, while the production has not been what they wanted, Moncada and Grandal aren't going anywhere. Mm -hmm. Moncada, and he's, his words were that 
when Moncada and Grandal are playing at the capabilities that we know that they can play, they are part of the engine of this team. They are not extra. They are the reason, a part of the reason that this team is succeeding, if it is. Um, second base, uh, Josh Harrison, no offense to him. He's had his moments throughout the year. Gavin Sheets has had his moments, especially since being called back up from the minor leagues. They are maybe not in the same class. Right. You're not going to see Rick Hahn go and make a trade that gets a new third baseman. You're not going to see him get a tra- go for a trade that gets a new catcher. Um, you might see him make a trade that gets them a new second baseman or a new right fielder. Um, and I think that that is something that you could see. Certainly, I think they need more offense. Offense has been the problem throughout most of the season. Uh, pitching might be the focus, particularly the bullpen. Um, but I think that offense would, would do them well to add there as, uh, uh, additionally. So they, they've got some options. They've got some places that they can add. It might not be a lot of places, though. And so I think the, to answer your question – He's going to say, this is the opportunity I have here at second base. This is the opportunity I have here at right field or the bullpen or even rotation depth. I'm going to go try and make the most of those opportunities, not try to fit a round peg into a square hole. Well, and I think, too, like we mentioned, it's a White Sox problem right now. The reason they're 49 and 49, right. it's a White Sox right. problem. They're not really worried about Cleveland and Minnesota. If you're able to play better baseball, I mean, at this point last year on July 28th, uh, they had a plus 115 uh, run differential, which is crazy to say with their minus 19 run differential right now. Um, and they were eight and a half games above Cleveland. And they ended up doing a deal with second place Cleveland last year for Cesar Hernandez. This is a different water, absolutely, but I mean, still, we expected this team to be at the top of the division. Uh, we did have the tweet that you mentioned about Mar- uh, from Mark Feinstein uh, of MLB.com. Uh, he said the Twins, Guardians, and White Sox, separated by just three games in the AL Central, are among the most aggressive teams in the pitching market right now, per sources. According to one executive from a, from a potential se- seller, they all think they have a shot and are going to try to get better. So I think that they're all worried about their own team. Obviously, Minnesota making the deal for Carlos Correa, they're going to be very incentivized to go out and add to their pitching, um, but also they lost Wes Johnson, their pitching coach. And, you know, if the White Sox mm-hmm. lost Ethan Katz during the middle of the season, I think we'd all have panic attacks. Um, the fact that, you know, right now he's the best thing on their their man, their managerial staff, in my opinion, um, you know, I, I think that that would be such a huge blow in Wes Johnson. Um got the same amount of money offered by LSU. I mean, yeah. like they, they're putting money into their college baseball program. Um, well, he w- went back home. I mean, yeah, he's from but, Louisiana. But it's still weird to leave a major league job to just do the same job at a at a college. I know it's hey. got a lot of money, but and I know LSU, Baton Rouge, it might be a little bit better than Minnesota, but still, that's got to be a slap in the face. Like, yeah, we don't want to be here. I got to go out there to college and talk about those kids and do that thing. Hey, Steven, um, what did CC Sabathia have to say about the uh, uh, Minnesota Twins? Um, do you have uh, anything I specific think, about I think them I have that. I being weird? Weird-ass Minnesota Twins. Thank you. I mean, it's not surprising that the weird-ass Minnesota Twins are being weird. Um, Shout-out shout to uh, Ek Doro. He's, he's commented before. It's Dodo. Um, he has <laughs> a 199 super chat. <laughs> Shout-out to Dodo. Call us call-up this year if he keeps raking. I don't think so. I wouldn't really see it. They want major league talent right now. I don't think that we would be having this trade deadline special if the, you know, if the solution was just down in double A. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and, and you look at the way that the White Sox used their, uh, have treated their prospects all, all along here, all along since this rebuilding process started. It's always been, we're going to wait till they are absolutely ready. They don't really want to send them down again. They want to make sure that they can come up, 
to the major leagues, stay at the major leagues, and succeed at the major league level. Obviously, when you have the time, let's say, to uh, go ahead and figure it out in the major leagues, uh, someone like Lucas Giolito, someone like Aloy Jimenez, you know, they weren't competing for a championship in those years. They could give them the time to, to work things out at the major league level. But they didn't call those guys up until they thought they were ready to to start working things out at the major league level, if that makes sense. So uh, judging by the way that they've treated their prospects this whole this whole time, I don't think he's coming up this year. And, you know, when you're trading prospects, it's like you're gambling with it. You know, it, it's it's like you're putting it out there in the world and mm. seeing a shot if their stock's going to go up and down. And funny enough, the best way to support CHGO is to download the PointsBet app and use code CHGO when you sign up. You can gamble your money just like GM's gamble prospects. Thank you for the thumbs down, Vinny. Uh, if you do that right now, you get two risk-free bets up to $2,000. GMs don't get risk-free bets, all right? They just got to pull that trigger and hope it was, you know, an empty chamber. Uh, two risk-free bets up to $2,000, but that's not it. If you make a $50 or more first-time deposit, you'll receive a free CHGO membership, which unlocks all of our web content, and you'll even get a free shirt of your choice from a CHGO locker. That's $2,000 in free bets, a free CHGO membership, and a free T-shirt from the CHGO locker, all for making more than a $50 first-time deposit at PointsBet using the code CHGO. If you have any questions, you can email pointsbet at allchgo.com and we'll help you out. And PointsBet's your home for live in-play betting, and it just got even better. If you see an edge in the game you're watching, if your favorite team is primed for a comeback, don't just watch the game. Bet along with it live. There's more live betting, more live markets, and faster live cash-outs with the PointsBet app. So what are you waiting for? It's time to elevate your live betting game. Download the PointsBet app right now and use promo code CHGO when you sign up. Once again, the game starts once the game starts, don't just bet. Live your bet life with points bet. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER for crisis counseling and referral services. And our next partner has a product I use every day. I know Stucky from uh, CHU Cubs uses it every day. I know Herb uses it whenever he's having a smoothie. I started taking AG1 because they were our partner here. I hadn't tried AG1s before I started working here. And they were one of our first partners here at CHGO. They sent us some great free uh, samples. They just re-upped and sent us more, um, which was very nice. I didn't have to repurchase Athletic Greens, and I've continued to use it because I love it. It helps me start my day with more energy. It helps me feel like I have more focus throughout the day. My gut health has been better, and I feel less anxious. It helps me start my day right, and with one delicious scoop of AG1, I start my day right with 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole foods or superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to, again, help me start my day right. Herb puts it in his smoothies. I put it in water, about 10 to 12 ounces a day. It's very easy to help your lifestyle, and it is lifestyle-friendly, whether you eat keto, paleo, vegan, dairy-free, or gluten-free, and Athletic Greens has over 7,000 uh, five-star reviews. So right now it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop and a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for millions of different pills and supplements to look out for your health. And to make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash chgo socks. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash chgo SLX to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. I got some breaking news. Oh, breaking. Um, Perry Fuel has said 10 more years in Chicago for Lollapalooza. Oh, wow. 10 more years. 10, Ten more years. years. Does that Ten come? More does years. that come with a Ten reunion? More days. Of, does that come with a reunion of porno for pirates? Oh, that would be oh, so God. great. Play pets, baby. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I think they're going to do ten more years, and I think it's going to be a week of Lollapalooza uh, in ten years. In oh. twenty thirty-two, we're going to have ten days of Lala stretching from uh, probably the thirty-first to the eleventh of August. So then, that makes it what about 
eight like 300 bands that I've never heard of before yes. as yes. opposed to just the current and, 50 or 60. And Perry right. himself will probably play eight more times that weekend, uh, including the kids stage. Um, I do think Matthew Lucas had a, an interesting point, and it's a point that I've seen on White Sox Twitter that I like uh, just up a little bit. Oh, it's already pulled up. I'm so sorry, Stephen. Uh, you're doing a great job. Uh, feels like our trades lately are in win-now mode. Uh, don't work out well. Players we get get worse, but I'm happy to be proven wrong here. It just feels like Han's a better seller than a buyer. We talked about this before, Vinny. Um, you look back at the trades that Rick Hans won, selling uh, uh, Chris Sale. He's selling Jose Quintana. He's selling Adam Eaton. He's done a great job in those trades. But last year, when we look back, Ryan Tapera worked out. The other ones, eh, not so much. So, I, you know, Herb, right now, what's your confidence in Rick Hahn and his ability to help this team? I know people judge the trades on what the players do eventually. I judge them on what I thought about the trade at the time. Because that's the process. I thought trading uh, for Craig Kimbrell at the time last year for only Cody Hoyer and Nick Madrigal, I was like, that's a steal. At the time, Craig Kimbrell was the best, not the second best, the best closer in the game, bar none. And he joined another guy who was doing well in Liam Hendricks. So I was like, man, Rick Hahn is out here doing work work. And so the fact that it didn't work out is not Rick Hahn to blame there the fact that eventually well AJ Pollock is still in the air but you know you got AJ Pollock for Craig Kimbrell so I also look at that as an extension that trade right there is a great trade for Rick Hahn because he got a position filled right there with AJ Pollock the fact that AJ Pollock hasn't performed to the level that Rick Hahn won him to that's not on Rick Hahn the numbers were good for both Kimbrell and Pollock before they got here. so Hernandez, too. Hernandez, exactly. So I will say that Rick Hahn has done a good job of getting these players. It's bad that the players haven't come here and performed as they were supposed to. And and you, you might have just uh, written the uh, description of the 2022 season right there, too. Yeah. I mean, seriously. I mean, yeah, right. this. I, I don't think anybody uh, on, you know, April 1st would have said this team needs a gigantic do over there's a lot of people asking for more during the offseason absolutely but you know this that they wouldn't have said that this roster is not capable uh, of doing some pretty impressive things and so far it's been capable of playing 500 baseball I don't know if that's on anybody that that built the roster other than your typical you know uh, blame goes everywhere kind of thing but they haven't played they got to play better that's (laughs) I mean we've been saying it we've been saying it since late April and it holds true here in late July. Well, and to your point, too, about Han, I mean, maybe you just cut bait. You had the player option with with Craig Kimbrell. Maybe you, you cut bait and you were, you're able to get more depth uh, with that $16 million that you didn't have to give to Pollock or, or Craig Kimbrell. Yeah, that's um, what I'll get on Han about the, the offseason, the moves that I thought should have been made, but not the trades. The trades at the time, I was cheering from the top of the mountaintop. I was right. like, this is great, and they didn't work out. It's not his fault that they don't work out because the projections for those players were good. And the performance just failed. And what they give up? They gave up Bailey Horn, who was not even the top 20 uh, for the uh, Sox-rated prospects at the time. Uh, they gave up Connor Pilkington, who wasn't even ranked in the top 30. And they gave up Nick Madrigal, who was a former first-round pick. But it seemed like... With a like season-ending injury. With a yes. season-ending injury. And Cody Hoyer, who ended up having a season-ending injury, but was fine. And the whole point was Hoyer will be better in the future than Kimbrell. But right now, Craig Kimbrell is a great pitcher. So, again, looking at the day of... Those were good trades for a team that was eight and a half games above uh, the, the the team in second place with a plus 115 run differential. So 
It, it is frustrating, though, that the fact that those guys haven't been able to perform. Like you said, you know, the 2022 tagline is guys aren't performing to the back of the baseball card. Um, so, you know, is it even good enough to get guys that are currently performing to the back of their baseball card right now? Um, let's talk about some needs before we get into the players that are available. Top five needs for the White Sox. We've mentioned it already, but let's maybe rank them as well and give them some more severity. I think we'll put just relief pitching um, number one, or do we want to get specific and say left-handed relief pitching? I think they'd probably need more than just left-handed relief pitching. Uh, certainly, that could be some recency bias over the way the first few games of the second half have gone for the White Sox, specifically the most recent game for the White Sox. Mm-hmm. But, um, I mean... Listen, the, Joe Kelly seemed optimistic that he's not going to be injured uh, for a, a, a while, which is good. Uh, I think that, though, they could use some more back-end help because the guys who are injured right now in Garrett Crochet and Aaron Bummer, are kind, they were kind of filling two roles at once. And I don't think you necessarily need to go out and find guys who can fill two roles at once. You need to fill the role of a left-handed reliever or one or more of them, and you need to fill the role of a back-end back end reliever yes one or more of them so I'm not saying you know uh, you should expect them to go out and get four pitchers that doesn't really seem uh, realistic but if Rick Hahn is going to get multiple pitchers he probably should focus on the bullpen which is what he said his top priority is going to be uh, they could use some help at the back end like they went out and got last year Kimbrell right. and Tapera certainly fit that bill and then they could use a lefty considering their top two lefties uh, in the bullpen are injured and might not there's, I mean, Crochet definitely won't pitch for the rest of the year. And Bummer, it sounds like they can't guarantee whether he'll mm. be back at all. So, well, And the timeline keeps sliding back and back. Right, like right. It, it's, it's just, uh, you know, they say September right now, but even, you know, when's the soonest that he could get ramped up? Mm-hmm. We've seen with the White Sox, like, hey, he returns, but he's not back to full form. And Bummer struggled to get the sinker coming out of his hand the right way. That's something that him and Katz have started to work on. Um, I don't know what this absence is going to do then to him and his mechanics because it seems very peculiar. Um, so, I, I mean, it's, it's definitely something that is rocky for the Sox. Um, I think it is also important to mention now, um, before we went on live, we got the news that Reynaldo Lopez is going to the IL retroactive to July 25th with back tightness. We knew that he was unavailable in Colorado, um, so it makes sense now that he's going to the IL. And Luis Robert started a rehab assignment down in triple a um for his lightheaded and blurriness so before we move forward um Luis Robert coming back obviously changes the White Sox needs a little bit they don't have to focus too much on outfield help but what does Robert's uncertainty because we really don't know what this injury is do to the White Sox need because obviously a left-handed bat is important but does it mean a left-handed outfield bat is the second most important uh thing that they need or is it just a left-handed bat like, do you need to get specific with the position as well as the, the handedness? I think since the White Sox have uh, Yasmani Grandal, who I would put at designated hitter more than I'll put at catcher, and you know, I don't know what's going to happen with the three catcher uh, rotation the White Sox have right now, but I would they get, have They him. might get more time with Raylo's injury. Yeah, they might and, be able to add uh, Luis Robert to the, uh, the, the roster, take off Reynaldo, and still get the chance to keep the three catchers on. Theoretically, if you just have good production from Yasmani Grandal and Yoan Moncada when they're facing right-handers, you don't solve the, the full problem, but you solve a couple of the things that plague the White Sox and we're struggling versus right-handers. If those guys go off like they should, and Yasmani like he did last year in the second half, then you probably that need is a little less. I'm just thinking of a left-handed outfielder that is actually a 
difference maker out there that you're going to be giving away people like Tyler Naquin is that a thing like Josh Bell I would love to have but I know he plays designated hitter first base and he can play outfield yeah. but I don't want another one of those we have plenty of those so I you know since I've already occupied Yasmani as the designated hitter I know Josh Bell probably wouldn't be a good solution for the White Sox, and a lot of people will be checking in on Josh Bell, so the White Sox will probably be uh, not in the race because they don't have enough people to trade the Washington Nationals for Josh Bell. So, yeah, I need a lefty bat to perform well, and if it's Tyler Naquin or something of that ilk, it's like, fine. You know, it's like, all right, cool. And like I said, these moves are not going to be earth-shattering, and if they are, applaud Rick Hahn. Applaud him because... I don't think they have enough to work with to get a player that you're going to like, man, Rick Hahn's out here doing work, work. Well, and two, if he, if he acquires a player that truly changes the team and gives up Colson Montgomery, I really won't care. I mean, this is, this is a team that should be winning games, and if they're able to win a postseason series because they make that big of a trade, you know, more to Rick Hahn for that. Well, um, right, but just like I always ask, if you fire Tony La Russa, does that raise everybody's batting average tomorrow? If you trade your, what you have of a farm system for a, a great player, that – player can come in and keep playing great does it raise everybody else's batting average tomorrow you know what I, and that's that's what you got away but i think and, i yeah. think it could i mean like th- that type of acquisition i think helps more than firing the manager or firing the hitting coach because i mean the guys are hitting out there i don't know how much they're actually taking that advice in but like giving just guys more protection protection's a real thing like if juan soto's behind uh you know luis robert luis robert's probably going to see more good pitches because oh, they sure. don't want but they're put, not getting Juan Soto. right, right. <laughs> no i know but they, you know they don't want to put luis robert on with his speed and then juan soto who's like you know well, they can get God. Juan Soto if they <laughs> trade Luis Robert, Kopech, Crochet, Andrew Vaughn, a couple other people. You know, just, then you'll have to right. you know, pay that guy, and then, yeah, you'll be the Juan Soto show for so the next five years. The, the needs I have ranked one through five, relief pitching, left-handed hitting, second base, outfielder. It doesn't have to be a left-hander, but left-handed would obviously be a boost. Um, if they just get a left-hander that can hit, I really won't care what position they play. Um, and five, I have starter. Because starter's not a need, but if they get a guy like Jose Quintana who could swing, it's so an starting over. depth. Starting depth, yeah. yes. I would switch your three and five. You said second baseman there. I think the White Sox are fine at second base. Like, Josh nope. Harrison has done an adequate job. I think even better than an adequate job at second base as far as the fielding and his, hit, his bat has come around. Yeah, I would like to see less of Larry Garcia and more of that being established to be especially, specifically Josh Harrison's job. And I think starting pitcher, we've seen Lucas Giolito fall off the table a little bit. We've seen Lance Lynn have only one good start of these starts that have come back, but the last start was at one good start. So you can see a peek into, man, that's the top five Cy Young Award winner on the White Sox again. You've seen Michael Kopech not be as crisp as he was earlier in the year. And Johnny Cueto, the peripherals don't look great, even though he's pitching well. I would say that starting pitching is much more important than getting a second baseman there. But, Herb, if all five of those guys stay healthy, yeah, if they're yeah. not, they're not yeah. falling out of the rotation. No, 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 no. Not at so, all. So starting depth makes sense. Go get a swingman and, and somebody else who can step up in the event of an injury. But if you're talking about going to get somebody who's better – well, then even your fifth starter right now, you who I guess it. would be Michael Cope or Johnny Cueto slash Michael Kopech. I mean, they're not removing Kopech from the rotation, mm-hmm. and Cueto has probably been their second best starter. So, I mean, if Lucas Giolito and Lance Lynn and or Lance Lynn can continue to struggle, like those guys aren't coming out of the rotation. Mm-mm. So, but what is this new starting pitcher going to do for you? I just like 
protect yourself against one of them or multiple of them getting hurt Absolutely. down the stretch. And and like too, you said last year with Lucas going the IL, you had Lance Lynn going the IL late. You can have some innings right there for people who don't, you know, you don't necessarily want the pitch like they have for Michael Kopech. They probably want to slow him down. You can have a person that's ready to pitch that's a little bit better than Vince Velasquez, a little bit more experienced than Davis Martin, those type of guys. I The second base situation, I think it's fine right now. You're not losing because Josh Harrison's not doing the job. Right. I think you're – I mean, I, I know Josh Harrison isn't doing the job, but I'm, I'm all about improving depth. That's what I, I yeah. think this this – uh, this deadline needs to be. Um, people keep bringing up the Braves, how they were 47 and 49 before the deadline. Um, that team is different than this White Sox. They were in a different place. They were had a, a positive run differential. Um, but still, I think that if the White Sox improve their depth, you never know what you can find. Maybe, you know, everyone else starts performing well and you get one of these guys that performs above what you're expecting. And then maybe A.J. Pollock becomes, you know, a, a bench piece. And that's a pretty good bench piece if he's like your 25th or 26th man. Um, it is interesting, too. Vince Velasquez is throwing a bullpen on Friday. Friday, according to Daryl Vance Gowan, um, so they might get more depth coming back. They have Davis Martin, so there is some depth. I, I would still put it five. I would rather like a second baseman because I'm on the team that Leary Garcia needs to be off this roster. I know it's not going to happen, but I said this yesterday. As the bottom guy on this roster, you need to be perfect, at least in sense of you know defensive ability, fielding ability, hitting ability. I understand he started the whole rally last time yeah. or last night, uh, knocking out Sensatella uh, out of the game, bruising his shin, um, but also the next at-bat was a dribbler in front of the mound. I mean, Leary Garcia is a part of this ground ball problem. Leary Garcia typically outside of facing Shane Bieber and Brad Keller, doesn't elevate the ball. Your problem um, with Larry Garcia is my problem with Larry Garcia. He plays way too much. He gets overexposed. He's I, a perfect 26-man. No, I, I disagree. Like He's a perfect 26-man. The, the White the Sox team. can, I, with the players that we'll get into right now, the White Sox can improve the 26-man spot. And, and I'm, I'm just done with Larry at this point. And I don't know if the White Sox are done at him. So I understand that that's Please probably Please hate him and then he turns to break you. I would love to see turn to a Brayu, but he's not, and he's had 12 uh, years to do it. I don't know what we're looking for. This guy is well below average, uh, and and he's hurting the team when he's out there. Go get a player that is not going to hurt the team. It, it's just that simple in my mind. We'll talk about the available players uh, and, and uh, pitchers, and we'll go through the depth and the needs right after we tell you the points bet pick of the week. The White Sox don't play today, but they will be playing the Oakland A's this weekend. I like the White Sox in this series. Uh, not shockingly, the A's are 38-63. and 60 three on the year with a minus 112 run differential. The White Sox have played well against some decent teams. It's really the middling teams that they struggle against, but the worst team, you know, the really, really bad teams, uh, they have taken care of business. So I like them, especially when they're throwing out Lance Lynn, Johnny Cueto, and Dylan Cease. Those three guys can get the, uh, the, 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 the job done. I like the White Sox in all three games. So if you see a nice money line where the White Sox are only favorite by minus 120, that's pretty good odds right there for the White Sox on PointsBet. So make sure you're downloading the PointsBet app using code CHGO when you sign up. It's the best way to help CHGO continue to grow. And if you make a $50 or more first-time deposit, you'll receive a free CHGO membership, which unlocks all of our web content. And you'll even get a free shirt of your choice from CHGO Locker. So download the PointsBet app right now and register your account from start to finish, all from your phone. You'll be signing up with the fastest sportsbook easier than ever so you can start living your bet life in seconds by betting on the White Sox this weekend against the A's. So what are you waiting for? Once the game starts, don't just bet. Live your bet life with PointsBet. 
Gambit Problem, call 1-800-522-4700. All right, Stephen, let's get into the available pitchers because we said right-handed pitching or uh, relief pitching uh, is the biggest need for the White Sox. So here's the starters. We mentioned starter depth. We'll start here. Uh, Jose Quintana is one of the names that has been highly connected to the White Sox. Luis Castillo would be one of those bigger splashes. Noah Syndergaard has performed well. He's got an ERA just a little bit above three, but the reason why he might be a, a, a shiny piece for the White Sox or a piece the White Sox might like is because he has a $21 million contract only for the rest of this year. So it would be a nice, uh, uh, you know, piece for the Angels to get rid of. They're probably not going to keep Syndergaard, um, and with that contract, might be uh, cheaper than a guy like Castillo's. Frankie Montas, we talked about him in the offseason. Uh, he's available as well on the A's. Tyler Malley of the Reds is available as well, but he's been dealing with some shoulder injuries. Martin Perez, who the White Sox roughed up when he came to Chicago. Left-handed pitcher is have, having a good season, and Pablo Lopez of Miami. Um, any names on there jump out to you, Herb? Uh, any names that seem unrealistic? What, what are your thoughts seeing those starting pitchers there? Well, same same answer right there. Luis Castillo jumps out to me, and it's unrealistic for the White Sox to get him. He's going to go to a Yankees. He's going to go to the Mets. Whatever team that has a nice haul of prospects, he'll go there because he is a phenomenal pitcher, a top-of-the-rotation pitcher. As Vinny said, Sox have a nice rotation. Yes, Luis Castillo coming in would be their number one, but they don't have enough to get that caliber of player. I mean, I'm always a, a Q guy. He can come here. I know he wouldn't be any great chicks. It wouldn't be like, oh, man, Q is out here dealing. But he would be a nice depth piece, a guy out of the bullpen who's left-handed. has done that world before last year with the Giants, uh, a couple years ago with the Cubs when they're in the playoffs. So those names sound good. They, they all sound like, like, Q sounds very feasible. Like, it could happen. They like the player. The player is probably available. It doesn't cost them a, a lot. Luis Castillo is, no, we're not getting him. And, no, I don't want no Syndergaard. Like, what would his role be here? I guess he'd it be would be a starting starter. pitcher. He's yeah. pretty good. Yeah, but <laughs> I mean, like, who's he kicking out of the bullpen? Well, you're, probably, the you're probably blowing up your plans for Michael Kopech, I would imagine, just because Johnny Cueto's been so reliable. Yeah. Like, right. Or yeah, you're you extending, extending that rotation. I know Tony's been against the six-man rotation, but if you're trying to preserve health, Maybe. I mean, Lucas might benefit from six days of rest, and maybe maybe that velocity comes back to a little bit of normal. Lance uh, Lynn's not, you know, he's dealing off a, a serious injury with that knee. You know, maybe it would, it would help to give him to six days of rest. I know Tony's sure anti-six-man, like, no. but Lance yeah, I would like, no. I wouldn't, I wouldn't think that Tony's the only person that yeah. is anti-six-man rotation. I would have to imagine, just hearing from these guys and how much they like being on routine, uh, that the pitchers themselves probably would not be a fan of a six-man rotation. That's not to say I've asked anybody about it, but just right. you, going from context, it would seem that way. Um, but, you know, the things that you said are not wrong. The things that you said just there are the pros in favor of that argument. I think the cons in favor of, uh, as opposed to that argument, are you might do more harm than good by getting these guys out of there what they're used to. And again, it's the, the conversation that we're having. Like the, those guys need to perform better. Lucas Giolito needs to perform better. Absolutely. Lance Lynn obviously had a good start in this last one. He needs to perform better. Michael Kopech needs to bring some more consistency. But the last two starts, he's looked really good, or at least looked somewhat normal. Um, so that's a good sign to see. If those guys continue to perform and stay healthy, the White Sox have no issues with their rotation. Again, that's why I put them five. You know, Jose Quintana knocks off that starter neat in my mind. That that knocks off that starter depth because he's better than Vince Velasquez. He's better than Tanner Banks. You don't have to get rid of Tanner Banks. You might have to DFA Vince, but he might not be picked up by another team. He might be able to slide down to Charlotte. And it's and also okay. If, too. And it's also okay if Jose Quintana goes to the bullpen. Right. And I think Absolutely. that's and so I think starter starting depth and starting pitching 
are two very different things. And I think starting depth makes a lot of sense for a team where the rotation is not the biggest problem here. The rotation is 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 pretty solid. And I know, you know, there are there are guys who are worrying fans with their performance, Lucas Giolito being probably number one amongst them. But you know what Lucas can do. And you know that if healthy and if right, he's as good as anybody else in that rotation. And uh, David Snyder brings up a point. I think it's misplaced. But um, we did see Rick Hahn go out and get Craig Kimbrell a closer while they already had Liam Hendricks, who was one of the higher paid free agents in, 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 in t- team history. So I do think that it is possible that maybe the White Sox go out and get a big-name starter, even though they already have all these names, because they've proven that it really hasn't stopped them before. If they think it's improving the team, it's improving the team, and that's all that matters. They'll figure out the issues. That's Tony's issue. That's true. Um, Maybe that's what the front office says there. I'm always for best player available instead of getting players for need. Like, if you... You can find a way, and you know, some people can't play at multiple positions. But if you have two good closers, that's a good problem to have. You just got to use them correctly, and the players got to perform. Right. All right. Let's look at the relievers because um, Vinny mentioned it. Um, starter might be tough to fit in, but the bullpen has places where it could be mm-hmm. improved. Um, Kyle Crick is on the IL right now. Aaron Bummer's on the IL right now. Um, as we mentioned before, Vince Velasquez on the IL. Um, Bummer might, might not be able to return in Reynaldo September. Reynaldo Lopez on oh, the IL. Yeah. Lopez on the IL as well. He, I think, was around August 11th, if I did my math right, for the 15-day IL um, being placed on uh, the 25th. I think it was around the 11th or the 9th. Um, so he'll be back well after the deadline, about a week after the deadline. Um, so you're dealing with no Raylo, no Vince, no Aaron Bummer, and no Kyle Crick. Um, and Joe Kelly, who just left and Joe Kelly, but yesterday's he said game with an injury. Fine. He says he's fine, but he had to come out with an injury. And, so we'll see. We'll get an update and, tomorrow. And there was a weird moment, too, in, in yesterday's postgame, apparently, where Tony was like, Joe Kelly's not even hurt. Like, But I think people said that he might have been thinking about Liam, um, who wasn't hurt, but just was overused, um, but there was a spot where he, he thought, and it was right after the game, so maybe Tony didn't even talk to the trainers, but um, he said that there was no issue with Kelly, and Kelly seemed all right after the game as well. So um, right now, Kelly's not an injury concern, and he was just signed, so I, I don't know if he's a guy that would be knocked off, but can they improve Tanner Banks? Can they improve Matt Foster? Can they improve Jose Ruiz? Um, I've liked Jimmy Lambert so far, but maybe they look to upgrade that. Um, let's look at the relievers that are available, and if any stick out to you guys, um, We've got Matt Moore out in Texas, who I like. He's a left-handed reliever. Andrew Chafin out in Detroit. He's a left-handed reliever. Michael Fulmer is a right-handed reliever from Detroit. Gregory Soto from Detroit is a right-handed, uh, left-handed reliever uh, that Andrew Vaughn has terrorized this year. Sam Malls, a left-handed reliever out of Oakland. A.J. Puck out of Oakland as well, left-handed pitcher. Lou Trevino, Vinny's guy, right-handed pitcher out of Oakland. All-star Joe Mantiply from Arizona. He's a left-hander. Brad Hand from Philadelphia is a left-hander. Matt Strom from Boston is a left-hander. And then Michael Givens and David Robertson from the Cubs both right-handed pitchers any jump out there um for any name well i'll tell you this joe mantiply is a heck of a name but (laughs) i think i think gregory soto jumps out am i if i'm not if i'm if i'm not mistaken i mean this is a guy who uh was an all-star uh this is a guy who uh has done very nice work uh for the tigers and uh you know what did we talk about we talked about getting a lefty and getting a guy at the back end uh, Gregory Soto, perhaps not as set in his ways as Craig Kimbrell, mm-hmm. might not be a bad idea to go get a closer again to be a setup guy. Maybe if it's someone who has a little bit more experience pitching in other, or I should say more recent experience, pitching in other times of the game besides the ninth inning. Um, I think Joe Mantiply should come here just so mm-hmm. I can keep saying that name. <laughs> 
Um, yeah, I, I like Joe Mantiply for the name. I like him because he's a lefty. Um, but Soto, younger as well, 27, has really great stuff. Uh, average uh, fastball velocity of 98 and something that we know with the Sox, they like velocity. We see Jimmy Lambert improving his velocity coming out of the pen. Tanner Banks gets up to 95 coming out of the pen. Joe Kelly throws hard. Kendall Graven throws hard. Liam Hendricks throws hard. So that's a guy that throws hard. So he fits into the bullpen. A guy like Brad Hand, while the numbers look good, the peripherals are a little bit bad, and he's not the guy that was at like 13 strikeouts per nine. He's more like eight strikeouts per nine, but he's getting the job done for the Philadelphia Phillies. Nice lefty. He understands how to pitch. He pitched in the vision with the Cleveland Indians at the time and has done a, done a good job. And I don't think a Brad Hand would uh, you know mortgage the future. You would get something that is probably the one of those middle infielders, somebody uh, not too uh, – big on the high uh, prospects list. Or you can go and get Andrew Chafin, which I think would cost you because not only in the division, but I think Andrew's got some years left on his deal with Detroit. So, And he's really good. The mustache, the perm, looks all good. He's back in Chicago as a character. I like his. Uh, I like the cut of his jib. Where did Rick Hahn go for a second baseman last year? He went in the division. Mm-hmm. Where did Rick Hahn go for bullpen help last year? He went across town. There's nothing stopping them from finding a trade partner I don't think you know when it comes to who will they and not will they not deal with uh there's nothing saying he can't go to Detroit and say I want your two best relievers right what'll it take kind of thing uh Brad Hand you mentioned uh certainly could have uh you know you could learn about Cuba and eat some food while while watching him <laughs> pitch every time uh Chaffin has a player option uh last year uh, so got some year. Uh, got some scar tissue over there from Brad Hand's appearances <laughs> I don't get the joke guys I'm sorry What's the joke? It's a movie reference. Oh, see, I don't see movies. Best times at Richmond High. Yeah, I've never yeah. seen that one. There you go. Aloha, Mr. Aloha, Hand. Mr. Hand. I'm so sorry, guys. That came out in the 80s, Sean right? Penn. Yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah. Sean Sp- Penn. Spicoli. Yeah. yeah. There's, yeah. Mr. Hand is the teacher. Yeah. Uh, He's ordering pizza. He orders the pizza, and he gets the hi- pizza delivered to the class, to high school. It's hilarious. I'm so sorry. Yeah. I'm sorry. I, I'm not watching it tonight, but, you know, maybe uh, one day I'll watch it's it. It's not that great, but it's good. I've heard, I know of it. I mean, I, there's the, everyone. Yeah, everyone makes fun of that scene, or everyone mocks that scene. Judge Learn, Reinhold, learning about Cuba and eating some food. I don't. Is <laughs> it in our time? Place? Go ahead, Sean. All continue right. continue so with the show. All right, we'll continue <laughs> with the show. Pete Hand's um, gonna be so pissed at you. The names that stick out to me on that reliever list. Um, I, I'm down with Matt Moore of Texas. I really like him. The fact that he's using his curveball is the same amount of his fastball. I like that. The fact that he's pitched in playoff games before with Johnny Cueto in San Francisco, I like that as well. Um, I do like Michael Fulmer. Michael Fulmer being pulled to the bullpen has been great for Detroit. Hey, can we have all three of your <laughs> relievers? That'd be great. Uh, Lou Trevino might be a buy low guy. He's got a 688 ERA, but some of the peripherals say that he might be able to bounce back. I know you've liked Michael Givens. Um, I would hate to see David Robertson back on this team. I think that he's a guy that could flame out pretty easily. I also like Ryan Tapera of the Angels, who's having success, and obviously the White Sox liked him uh, last year. So I think there's a lot of relievers out there, and if the White Sox go out there and get four guys, if they're able to replace it's a lot of Foster, It's a lot of guys to get. Right, but as we as we said, I mean, Cesar didn't cost you a top 30 prospect. Um, he was one guy. He was one guy, yeah. right. But, but you know, if you go out and get, you know, Lou Trevino of Oakland, you get one guy from Detroit, you get Joe Mansupply from Arizona, you get, you know, another guy from somewhere, you know, maybe that doesn't cost anyone in the top 10, and you're getting four bullpen guys that can fill that out. I love Matt Foster. I love Jose Ruiz. 
I'm done seeing them pitch in a White Sox uniform. What I was going to say, that's addition by subtraction because you add those guys, then you can have Matt Foster and the Jose uh, Ruiz's down either in the minors or DFA. So you get to have quality bullpen arms each time you go out there. You know how Tony doesn't like the using certain bullpen arms when you have a when you're in a deficit, and sometimes he uses only the guys when they have a lead. You can have quality arms when you're in a deficit to hold the lead right there for the offense to get right. back there, and then go back to your natural guys with Kendall Graveman and uh, Liam Hendricks. Right, and Ryan Tapera. I mean, he could pitch in the sixth, seventh, or eighth. I mean, there wasn't really a spot where he seemed afraid. And if it's a losing effort, maybe it's a five three game Ryan Tapera keeps you at five three and maybe the White Sox is uh, you know White Sox offense is able to get them uh back in uh to the game uh let's talk about some bats here because we did mention second base outfielder left-handed hitting as well um let's look at some available batters that are available um because again it's tough to put together trade packages but I think if they go out and have a deadline where they're active or more active than they were last year with only three trades they'll go out and spend you know and get six different guys to fill out the, the depth of this team. I'd like that. Um, Jock Peterson's been a name that they've been tied to before. He's out in San Francisco. Brian Reynolds of Pittsburgh, he's an outfielder that's a switch hitter. Tyler Naquin's been a name that we've brought up on this podcast uh, recently. Ian Happ of Chicago, since they've been bad. Uh, Luke Stuckmeyer's been trying to trade him to us for Forever. the past two months. Um, ben Gamble out in Pittsburgh, he's a left-handed bat. Billy the hitter um, out in Miami, maybe they want to improve the base running. We know that guy can run the bases. Infielder Wilmer Flores of San Francisco, he could play second, he could play short, he could play first base. I don't know if they need that. Brandon Jury, he could play shortstop stop second or third base from Cincinnati. John Birdie of Miami, also an infielder as well, can play everything but first. Miguel Andujar, uh, a guy from New York who hasn't had a ton of success since 2018. He wants a trade. Maybe he'd be interesting uh, from third base. Third base from Chicago as well, Patrick Wisdom. Uh, he's a guy that has just found recent success, but he's got about 17 homers this year. Jose Iglesias, who we just seen from Colorado. Tony Kemp in Oakland. Jonathan Scope, who's the best defender in Major League Baseball right now at second base. Josh Bell, who her Herb's brought up before. Trey Mancini of Baltimore. Um, he's hit right-handers and left-handers the same, even though he's a right-handed hitter. Um, and Wilson Contreras and Sean Murphy, if they're looking to upgrade from Sebi and Reese. Um, we didn't mention catcher, but you obviously brought it up to Rick Hahn. He said Yasmani is our guy. Um, so I'd be surprised if they went out and made a big splash like Wilson Contreras or Sean Murphy. But outside of that, any names that stick out? Any names that, hey, maybe the White Sox have been connected to before that might be an easy connection? And I know I said earlier I would be fine with Josh Harrison being the second baseman moving forward. We see that name of Jose Iglesias. The man knows how to glove it. He's putting back to ball a little bit better than he was back in his Detroit days and back in his Boston days. So that would be a guy that I would might check in on. It might not cost you a lot. Uh, and it'll improve your team, improve your defense immensely. I mean, I know Josh Harrison is pretty much a good wizard at second base himself, but when you got Jose Iglesias doing a little bit more with the glove, you know, sometimes he's uh, he does a little bit more uh, like pizzazz and such, so I don't need more of that. I just need a solid bat right there, and Jose Iglesias would be real solid for the White Sox if they picked him up, a nice middle infielder for them. Well, and again, like the reason why I don't want Leary on this team is because he, he does things all right, um, but Jose Iglesias can play shortstop, second base, very well. He plays a better second base than Leary Garcia. He doesn't have the ability to play the outfield like him, but right now he's uh, around a, a, a league average hitter, 100-plus OPS, and he plays a very good defense and could play the middle infield on both sides. That that fills the, re, the, the real role of Leary. They have about six outfielders right now, mm -hmm. Leary in the outfield. 
really isn't a necessity unless you're playing in Colorado and need him because Adam Engel just played in center field. So I, I don't know. I, I'd really be interested in a second base upgrade. Um, I, I think Jose Iglesias would be interesting. I think Birdie would be interesting. Any of the infielders, too. I mean, maybe just upgrade the utility guy. I know Tony doesn't like referring to Leary that way, but maybe update, upgrade the uh, utility position. Uh, any name jump out to you uh, there, Vinny? I'll tell you this. The biggest thing that they could use is a jolt offensively to make sure that this offense can maybe re start realizing the potential. What about Trey Mancini from Baltimore? I mean, I know Baltimore is uh, doing okay these days, but uh, certainly buried in that AL East. I'm not quite sure what their playoff chances are. Um, but if they do choose to sell, uh, Trey Mancini has been a guy for years now uh, who has been a nice bat uh, out there and looked like he could help a team that's that's looking for some offense. Um, we've been talking about the White Sox' biggest problem for months now being that that offense is just not consistently what it should be. Trey Mancini could uh, help that out, certainly, but uh, I think you're uh, probably looking at second base as the better uh, opportunity to upgrade the offense. I don't know how much. That's, that is a position that doesn't usually come with a lot of offense, uh, so a, a really good hitting second baseman is hard to find. I don't know how many of them were on that list. Uh, certainly the, the bat that jumps out to me is Mancini that you put on that list, but I'm not quite sure how realistic that is just because, you know, the Orioles are all right. And he hit a inside-the-park home run today. That he did. There you go. Speed. Um, I think the best bat infielder-wise would probably right now be Wisdom. He only plays third base. Drury maybe um, has yeah. had a really nice year. Yeah. I, I would probably see Brandon Drury as the guy that is the best bat that could play uh, multiple positions. I think he's got like 17 home runs this year, uh, 19 home runs uh, this year. And he's got, uh, you know, he's been decent uh, in the infield at pretty much every spot that he's played as outs above average. Uh, this year is a, is a one. He's played at shortstop, third base, second base, first base. So he could play around the diamond, which would be helpful to the White Sox. Um, I, I do like Wilmer Flores as well. Um, he's got postseason experience. Um, I do think just taking this all in and we're kind of wrapping it up here. I think a good deadline for them would be acquiring Jonathan Scope. I think his defense at second base would be incredible. Him and Josh Harrison would make a really great second base combo, and Scope hasn't been hitting this year, but he's hitting the three prior years, and maybe not being on a crappy Detroit team might inspire him to play a little bit better. He'll have a little bit more protection as well. Um, so maybe Jonathan Scope could turn around. His defense has been fantastic. I would go with Tyler Naquin. That left-handed bat I think is important, and he wouldn't cost that much. I'd love Ian Happ. He could play second base. He could play around the diamond. Can he play second base? He yeah. has played, he has second, played second base. base. Can Andrew Vaughn play the outfield? Can Gavin Sheets I mean, play the that's, outfield? That's worse. That's not selling your your story right there. Right, but I'm just like, saying the White are... Sox. The White Sox. I mean, that really hasn't bothered the White Sox before. I mean, if the, the thing is hitting, he, that guy can hit. He's oh, yeah. an all star because he can hit. Definitely. And so and, I, and, I don't know. I mean, if we can get Jock Peterson somehow, some way, they finally got their white whale. They hadn't signed, tried to sign him in the offseason of 2020. Didn't want to take the money. Gave that to Adam Eaton instead. He would solve the left-handed hitting, the power bat. And the outfielder right there with one player. Yeah, I mean, he would be an upgrade over Gavin Sheets. I'd love to see it, but I think he might be too expensive. And, you know, there, were, there was not really a report saying that San Francisco's leaning one way or the other, buying or selling. They're still in that mix for the wild card, so I don't even know if they sell Peterson. I mean, Peterson's one of their best hitters right now. Mm -hmm. um, he is on a one-year deal, but it'd be surprising for them to go with. I, I think that's why Naquin makes more sense. If he's able to get, you know, if Rick Hahn's able to spring a trade for Jack Peterson, let's go. I mean, I'm not, I'm not uh, you know, down about that. And maybe that connects the White Sox to the 2021 Braves even more. Um, so I'm all about that. Um, and then relievers, 
Michael Fulmer shouldn't cost too much. I think he's a great addition for a right-handed reliever. Matt Moore is a great addition for a left-handed reliever. Jose Quintana, I think, is an upgrade over Vince Velasquez or Tanner Banks as that swing guy. And then Sam Mall of Oakland. Uh, I don't think that he's had enough success where the uh, the Oakland uh, A's are going to hold on to him, and he's got some interesting stuff that he could bring out. So only about eight or nine trades over the next few days. six trades. Get to work, Rick. I don't know. I mean, they, they again, like... If you're looking at the top 30, there's one guy I'm saying don't trade. Outside of that, have fun. And if you can get a big-time deal, do it. But if you just take everyone from 15 down and trade them to different organizations and you're able to help this team and improve the 26-man roster, that's what this is all about. And the thing is that I looked at the the haul for Andrew Benintendi. It didn't seem overly great, the Yankees sending back players from the Kansas City to the Kansas City Royals, so maybe that sets the market. It's like the first real big trade of a name that you're like, okay, that's a good market for the White Sox to be in because that name was bandied about between all the AL East teams out there and also the Milwaukee Brewers, and so maybe the White Sox can get a player that we're not thinking about right now for less than they expected, less than we expected. That will be great if Rick Hahn can pull that off, the eight trades that Sean wants. Well, again, hey, I'm fine with it. And I, I, the thing with, too, like, I mean, Jack Peterson, he might not cost that much. I understand that he's performing well, but he didn't cost that much when Atlanta traded him last yep. year. It was Bryce Ball, who I think was not even in the top ten for the Cubs uh, prospect-wise. Um, and I know that he's having a really good season with the Giants, but I don't think it boosts up his value that much. It's really a question, will San Francisco sell or not? Um, and, and I, I don't think they will. I, there's I a lot. There's a lot of teams probably that are in that up. zone right now too, because you got the extra playoff spots this right. year. Them in Boston just seem like weird ones to figure out because they had good seasons. They were in the postseason last year. San Francisco won 107 games, but it you know there's rumors that the Red Sox might trade JD Martinez, which would be shocking for a team that you know just got jumped by the Orioles and are in fifth place. Um, but I don't think they're that bad. So uh, it is it is uh, interesting. Um, I, I don't think they make a big move. I'm for depth, um, but I, I, and I think, honestly, it might be a failure if the White Sox have a similar deadline to last year where they're only getting three players. I know that at the time we liked that. I know we liked Craig Kimbrell. I liked the Ryan Tapera move, and that one worked out. Um, and I liked the Cesar Hernandez move because you upgraded second base, but if they only go out and get three guys, I, I don't think that they're understanding the team just because even if Michael Fulmer doesn't work, well, maybe Matt Moore works. Maybe Jose Quintana works. Like, I, I think you need to give yourself as many options as possible to help this team because if you're running with the guys that you're going with, you just need to figure out the, the bottom four of the, that, that roster mm-hmm. and make sure that bottom four is the best that you could possibly have at the moment. More options, the better. You know, I, I think that, you know, be gluttonous at this deadline, and that's what happened with the Braves, and the Braves were able to turn around, and they took some interesting shots, like Eddie Rosario, who was in the minors, he ended up hitting well in the minors coming up and was a huge uh, part of their success in the World Series. So, As people bring up the Braves from last year, I saw somebody also bring up the Padres. <laughs> it could go either way, guys. You know, you're a middling team or you're a great team like the Padres and then falls off the table. So it's a crapshoot. If the White Sox show up like we think they should show up, I think these trades will be just additives and they'll just be part of a championship club that we all think that they're going to be at the end of the year August 12th I'm think August 22nd we're going to take over uh, first place so yeah I think that no big splash plays for the White Sox just nice pieces when we speak on Tuesday for our uh, real trade deadline special 
right. That's going to start. I think at four is the the start time right now. I'm gonna I'm gonna vibe or vibe for uh, four thirty, okay. just so we get a, a half hour before, a half hour after. Uh, I think that'd be nice. So make sure you stu- uh, tune into our trade deadline special on August second, and make sure to follow us on Twitter at uh, chgo underscore White Sox at Vinny Duber uh, on Twitter for Vinny Duber, the CHGO White Sox beat writer. He is going to break news as soon as he gets it. He got a text about Luis Robert and was the first person I heard it from it from today. So uh, he's going right to place, right time. He's get, he's get, wait, you know, he's, he's getting the text. He's getting the important text. Uh, so make sure you're following Vinny on Twitter at Vinny Duber. The man in the middle is Herb Lawrence at Ecknerwall 23. I'm Sean Anderson at Sean underscore W underscore Anderson. Again, if there's any trades, uh, we'll have immediate reactions on that site. We'll probably do a Twitter space if it's a big enough trade like Luis Castillo, Jock Peterson, something along that lines, we might even have a special CHGO White Sox show. So this is a very important deadline for the White Sox and Recon. We'll see if they make it count and we'll see if they are able to overtake first place in the remaining games left. Um, I guess we'll just do one final temperature check here. Will the White Sox win the division before the trade deadline? Is will it depending the, on the? Will they win the division yes, before it, the trade? Well, no, deadline? no, I'm sorry. Before oh. the trade deadline, my question to you is: Will the White Sox win the division before all the deals are done? Before we know how it looks like, could you even say that they could, or is it just too damn early? No, they're winning the division. All right. Well, that, you're that's right. yeah. I, I've already I've saw what Minnesota is. The team that scares me is the Guardians, but I think the White Sox are better than them too. I'll put it this way. They have just as good a chance as the other two teams that are up there with them. There we go. All right, so help out your team, Rick Hahn. It's, your, it's, it's in your hands now. It's in your uh, front office's hands. Uh, we'll see how you're able to help the White Sox at the de- deadline, and we'll see uh, uh, how the reactions are by the fans. Uh, we'll see if it's a, a positive one or negative one. And even though uh, it was a positive one last time at the deadline, it didn't really work out for them. So we'll see what happens, and we'll be here for you uh, from August all the way to October, even in December, even in January. So, again, stick with us here on the CHGO White Sox podcast. Thank you to Stephen Nicholas for producing today's show, and thank you to Fleetwood Mac for their 1979 album, uh, Tusk. Really appreciate them for their work on that one. Thank you to everybody in the chat as well. We will talk to you tomorrow starting at 6.30 for a live pregame show, and then Vinny will be joining us on the postgame show uh, after the White Sox and Oakland play at the G-Rate. That's going to do it. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Go White Sox.